Hello everybody and welcome to a fan fiction episode of DNVR Nuggets' Serbian Corner. It is the 60th episode so far, so stick with us to the end of the show. I might have a surprise for you. My name is Miroslav Cuk and I specialize in creating special episodes during the summer while the NBA superstars enjoy Cabo, Maldives or Sombor racetrack. Before we get into the deep off-season Nuggets talk, just some quick impressions from today's first FIBA World Cup game for Team Serbia, a 42-point win against China. This Serbia team is fun as hell. It reminds me a lot of the 2017 Eurobasket Team Serbia that has won our last medal so far with Bogdan Bogdanovic and without a lot of our other top guys at the tournament. Today, Serbia had nine guys with seven points or more, but bad news is the ankle injury of Filip Petrushev, a guy who is a center that will play for the 76ers next season. I really expect him to get some real minutes there, especially after the inevitable Joel Embiid trade. I hope Philip will be okay and ready to play in two days versus Puerto Rico. Kyle Anderson, on the other side, had his first official game for Team Serbia, and it was a horrific one. He missed all of his nine field goal attempts and ended up with zero points. In other World Cup news, USA won versus New Zealand, Finland lost comfortably to my favorite side team, Australia, and the derby Canada-France was a derby only on paper. It was a nice 30-point slap in the face by Jordi Fernandez and the Montes. And I hope the Canadians' nickname from the 80s isn't offensive today. There are many different types of fantasy in movies and TV shows, from science fiction, space operas, superhero movies, epic stories, Phoenix Suns championship movies, so anything that isn't real. For this episode, I wanted to talk about some forks on the road so we can create fan fiction Nuggets storylines, aka alternative Nuggets universes, about the Michael Malone, Nikola Jokic era. To help me tackle this idea, I called up a very creative team of writers. Welcome to the Denver Stiffs legends, Gordon Gross and Nick Herzog. Hi, guys. Hey, hey. Hey, Rizov. So, what's the moisture level in Colorado these days? Oh, ridiculous. It's like 50% humidity again today. I don't know. This is getting crazy. They're, Although they're, it's from the greenest summer, I can remember. Yeah, we're getting a tropical storm remnants in from, like, the Gulf or something. So, it's going to be cloudy and wet all weekend. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Like he said, it's about the wettest I can remember Colorado being yeah. all, consistently all summer. It's just been a bizarre... Great, it's not burning nothing down, mm-hmm. but you know, yeah, it's it's definitely wet over here. I mean, at least we know where where the moisture went because, for instance, in Greece, everything is in fire, like uh-huh. so many forest fires in Greece and other parts of Europe, really. So at least we know that you know, yeah, moisture just needs to come up somewhere. I feel bad because Canada's burning down, but we've got wow. plenty no, of water. True. That's true. I, I I read somewhere that. The, the surface that's that's under fires in Canada is like twice the size of Serbia. So mm-hmm. that's that sounds really horrific. So so our, our hearts to, yeah. to Canada. And when I mentioned Canada, Gordon, France is one of the premier national teams with eight medals in the last 20 years in yep. FIBA competitions. And I can tell you, you are not supposed to win against such a team with 30 points to spare. 
I think this is a masterful job from by former Nuggets assistant Jordi Fernandez, especially considering he has seven NBA players that were supposed to acclimate to FIBA rules in such a short time span. We've seen American teams in past with a lot more individual talent struggling with that. So is this something completely new or is just Shea just effing un- unstoppable? Um, well, I mean, he is also unstoppable. Uh, but I, I really think that uh, the guys who play for Canada also take – it's the same as everywhere else, really, that they take so much pride in it. But they all also know each other. You know, like this isn't uh, – Canada used to only have a couple of guys. Like that historically, Canadian basketball, they've had two, three guys. It's not a it's, – it's not really a deep, loaded team. Uh, but they, they're doing this without Maul. You know, Jamal's not there, and they're still out there with plenty of NBA talent and um, good NBA talent that can go ahead and it, – it's, it's not bench warmers who are out there playing for them. So I, I, I would say that beating France is not surprising. Whooping France is surprising. Yeah, that, that looked really, really scary. And honestly – the World Cup started, there, there have been 16 games played in two days, which means nobody watched all of them. That's right. impossible. You cannot watch eight games in a day. That's just a silly thing FIBA is doing with the World Cup. But what I can tell you, it's, it, it's been like 14 of those games have been 20-plus blowouts. Mm-hmm. Like pretty bad, <laughs> pretty bad uh, um, thing for FIBA. World Cup, but we'll see. It might get better. It might get better soon. I wanted to ask you guys one thing I, I've been thinking about for the last couple of days. So, Nuggets being champions changed the way I look at the other teams. Like, every summer, the season ends, Nuggets, you know, got eliminated in the first round, in the second round, in the Western Conference finals, whatever. And now you're looking at those better teams and trying to figure out how the Nuggets will be able to beat them next season. But this time around, everybody else's job is to figure out how to beat the Nuggets. And I I mean, I did see all of the moves everybody made, like like the Phoenix Suns bringing Bradley Beal in. And it's it's not that impressive. Like, Like, am I too smug or is it just the way the the things are are now no i don't i no i mean we're the champs uh we're the champs until somebody knocks us off and it didn't look like i don't i don't know if nobody learned a lesson uh from this last year or if they uh if they just kind of are throwing up their hands right now and just being like we need to be the best version of our team that we can be and we just need to forget Jokic exists because there's nothing we can do about it anyway i mean i that's his, like Golden State getting Chris Paul. What what does this do for that team? Like I don't what what are these moves? Why why is adding Bradley Beal to Phoenix an upgrade? Yeah, like you have another guy that can shoot. Uh, every shot that Bradley Beal takes in the playoffs is a shot that Kevin Durant or Kevin Booker is not taking. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a it's just a, a less efficient shot. So what what have you really added there? Other than now creating lots of problems on defense, one thing. Um, I I just I think we're kind of in a reshuffle mode right now in with the rest of the league where everybody is kind of 
you have you have kind of some teams that are aging out, and then you have some younger teams that are still kind of finding their identity. And the Nuggets have just kind of hit this this sweet spot where they they are young, they are solid. Like we have all of our pieces in place. Uh, everybody knows their role, and I, until somebody can knock them off, I'll have to see how they're going to do it. I mean, uh, I, I think we're on uh, a, we're in a window here for for uh, the next two three years where it's going to be really tough. No, I agree with that. And that's, uh, I think what you said earlier about trying to be the best team they can be, I mean, that may be the lesson they took. The Nuggets didn't try to, like, make up for whatever deficiencies their roster is supposed to have. You know, everyone's, well, they can't defend enough. There's no way they'll be able to defend enough with that roster. Yeah, they did. You know, there's no way that they can, you know, run a, a bench offense out there with what they've got. Yeah, they can. There's no way Bruce Brown can be that important. Sure. Like you can, we can lean on him that much. And so the Nuggets built the best team around Jokic that they could with what they had, and they didn't worry about their weaknesses. So the problem that other teams are going to run into is that there's no way to stop Nikola anyway. Like you're not stopping Jokic. It's just not going to happen. And the team that's closest to it, you know, sold their entire team's future to get a second seven footer that, did an okay job of slowing down Nicola briefly. Like that's, uh, that's what they got for it was they got a harder first round exit. Okay. You know, there's, there's nothing that you can trade to make a team that is specifically set to stop the nuggets because Jokic is not a selfish player. So you can't just, you know, build a seven foot roster. Cause first off that's expensive. Second off, those guys still have to be able to shoot and defend. And third off, he's already beaten that. So the Nuggets built the best team they could build. And the rest of the guys need to figure out how to build a team out of what they've got and hope the Nuggets start missing some shots. Hope they get injured. Like, you're you're trying to catch up. You can't catch up by making the Nuggets worse. You have to be better. I'm not sure how Bradley Beal makes Phoenix better than the Nuggets, you know, but uh, he may be better than Chris Paul was for them. And maybe that's enough. Uh, but that, that's got to be the goal, is building teams. You can't <clears> – <throat> we're not in an era of individuals anymore. It can't just be any three great guys and we've got a shot. You don't. This the, You can't be deep enough w- anymore for that. You can't have six other amazing guys in your bench. You, you don't have that. You don't have those kind of matchups. You can't afford them. So the Nuggets are going to be thin, but most teams are going to be thin this year. And if you're not thin, maybe you don't have enough frontline talent to make a difference anyway. So you've got to just rearrange, uh, try and make it work. And the Nuggets are, like you said, they're in the catbird seat. They're catch us if you can. And I, I, for one, have really enjoyed that about this summer. Yeah, my favorite comment about the Phoenix Suns was like, yeah, but now we don't have campaign sitting in a corner waiting to shoot a three. Now we have Bradley Beal to do it instead of him, who is such a, better player and i'm like you're paying 40 million dollars for a guy that should stay in a corner and yeah. wait to shoot corner yeah threes. you'd be better off with a 3 and b guy like come like, on guys Beal doesn't but, shoot threes that good either so no, it's, okay. that's not that's not his it's skill not, set. not his game 36 yeah. percent, something like that yeah He's not a catch so, and shoot guy yeah to play the devil's advocate for a second the nuggets are actually extremely young team this mm-hmm. this season their their starting lineup is probably like 26 27 years old on in, on average and then when you look at the bench that's like 
24 or something like that. So I, if you weighed in how many minutes guys we are going to play during the season, I would bet that the Nuggets will be in top 10 youngest teams in the league while being uh, the, the championship uh, uh, favorite. So, yeah, that that should scare us a bit. Like, as you said, it, it would be nicer to have some more experienced guys on the bench instead of all rookies or all uh, very young guys. What the Nuggets really need this season is to have Christian Brown fill in the 30 minutes per game role super confidently. Yeah. The way Bruce Brown did last year. And then you need one of the other guys. You have four different guys, including Peyton Watson, including Jalen Pickett, including Tyson Hunter. One of those guys need to be as good as Christian Brown was last year. And if you get both of these things, you're golden. But we don't know if we're going to get it. Right. Well, and the problem that you run into with the way that the Nuggets are built, it's hard to – there's a thing called a rookie wall for a reason. So it's it's hard to rely on a rookie for 82-plus a long playoff run. Like, so in that sense, I don't necessarily think that they're hoping that, you know, Hunter uh, Tyson is going to give them – you know, 20 minutes a game, 82 games plus the playoffs. That's not the hope. But the hope is that Zeke Naji can handle his business. And then if he gets hurt at that point, Hunter Brown will be, or Hunter Tyson rather, will be adjusted enough to go ahead and, you know, jump in and, and take those minutes. That if, um, that if Michael Porter Jr. Like, you know, uh, stubs a toe someplace that Strother can come in and just all we need you to do is shoot and rebound. Like that's it. That's what that's what MPJ's job is. That's what we want you to do. You know, the nice thing is they kind of drafted understudies for all of the positions that they have. Um, I would say that um Hunter Tyson was more of an understudy for what Vlacko was doing than what Nosh was doing. He's not really gonna be a five ever. You know, Vlacko's more of a more of a four who could play a three. Um, and that's what Hunter Tyson is too. Um, but, you know, Strother is very much an MPJ understudy. That's absolutely what he is. And then you got a, the most experienced point guard you could find, you know, uh, to go ahead and, and back up Murray. Um, but you don't need him to do that necessarily because you already have Reggie. But if some, if Reggie can't have, have some, young, some young guys that could potentially step in. Right. Like so so your young guys aren't them. required to get immediate minutes. Mm-hmm. You have a rotation of guys who are already NBA experienced who can go out there all the time and do their jobs. And then as the course of the year goes on, hopefully one of those rookies, like you said, emerges as a guy who deserves playing time and can handle it in the Christian Brown role. And that's, if they get that and Christian can actually step up from role player off the bench to six man off the bench, then you're really set. Like that's completely fine and affordable and sustainable for the rest of this playoff run. Or, you know, for the rest, like, like Nick said, the next three years that you would expect us to be extremely competitive, then other teams are going to start being afraid. Because then you start talking, what are you going to do? You, you already couldn't stop the last time we brought seven real guys to the, to the gunfight. What are you going to do now? So I'm, I'm looking forward to finding out who steps up. Uh, but for the most part, for me, Christian Brown is the most important part 
he's if he sophomore slumps, the Nuggets bench is going to be in deep trouble. Yeah, and I mean, we can look a bit uh, into the future and say that the Nuggets windows actually is wide open until Jamal Murray's Supermax kicks in. And then <laughs> it's going to get dicey. It's going to... I mean, I know that the Cronkies are willing to pay the luxury tax and everything, but everything has its limits, so we'll see. They they say they're willing to pay it. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I will believe that they will pay consecutive years of the luxury tax the first time they ever do it. That That's where I'm at. Like, they haven't yeah, paid they- it before. The issue though, with the second apron now, though, makes this like yep. there is kind of a hard cap now. So and they're pretty much a hard cap. You're not wrong. Yeah. Um, but at that point, MPJ and Murray, that the the uh, the odds of the Nuggets being able to retain both of those guys after this contract is basically nothing. So this particular iteration of the Nuggets is as long as they can keep Jokic, uh, Murray, and MPJ together with. Aaron Gordon, who's here the duration too. Those four guys, this is that run. All you're trying to do is make it work around them. Um, and then you worry about the future in the future. Like you can't plan four years down the road. So you just want this to work. You want but to get why, you know, the more yeah. I, I, I thought about this strategy, the more I, I'm enjoying what they're doing here with, with having so much rookie talent to work with. Because you just need like one or two of these guys to hit. And you just gotta right. keep Keep you know, keep doing that. Just ha- keep having one or two guys every year or two hit, and mm-hmm. you can keep replenishing that bench, and you don't have to uh, have some of these the salary you know issues that come up with you know teams like the Warriors. Well, I mean, we'll never even see like a super team like that again. The the, the rules now prohibit it, um, right? Because it was ridiculous that they were even able to pull that. Team it happened once, time. and it will never happen again. Never happen right. again. Right. Yeah, so you really <laughs> need to keep that like pipeline of new talent. Like you have to owners, and you that's have to keep vital. coming. Yeah. Yep. The the NBA owners are too smart to let that happen ever right. again. Yeah. <laughs> it's like no way. No. Total they totally cheated. Okay, just to return into the uh, into the present for 30 seconds, I just want to to finish this segment off with a with a um I really want for Reg Jackson to be good this season. Because everybody was wings, you know. Uh, I just <laughs> I just want him to be good because everybody was on the Nuggets front office for giving him a, a two-season deal for like $10 million. It's not like they gave him two years, 40 minutes, or 40 million. Not that they, they could have anyway. So I really want him to be solid, like not to be the scapegoat all the time. And it will really make me happy if if that doesn't happen. I mean, I don't know who the scapegoat would be in that situation, but it's just a. I would love Reggie to be good. It's just Mm -hmm. that Reggie's at the end of his career. So you want to limit his minutes and limit his back to backs. And like he's in that time where it's it's in, um, I guess, like the Jeff Green era of his of his career. Imagine him being a bigger legend in Denver than Jeff Green. And Jeff Green (laughs) is a really big legend now. Right. But it's for for Reggie again. Reggie's from Colorado Springs. He's from my high school. I'm yes. I'm a Reggie guy. So I, I, I would love right. Reggie to be good. Reggie used to be good, but Reggie Reggie just they don't need him to be good. They need him to do his role. Please fulfill your role as the guy who sets up the bench, who organizes them, who makes sure that you're taking the right shots, who is a good mentor to the kids. 
who need to know how to be a professional in the league. Like, you know, Jamal is going to be icing his knees and on the treadmill, and MPJ is going to be sleeping in a hyperbaric chamber trying to keep his back right, and Jokic is going to be watching horse races. So you need your vets to, like, you know, if you're if you're going to be mentoring the kids, Reggie's the guy that they, they've chosen to say, we're paying you not just for your production, but because you're the kind of professional who knows how to get it done um, with this kind of team, and you need to teach all the new guys how to do this. And so I really, I, uh, for me, um, if the bench is successful, it's not just because Reggie was good on the court. It's because he was also good off the court. I'm going to call right now a bunch of people, like my buddy Lad being mad like two months into the season because it's all Reggie Jackson and Justin Holiday minutes. And we're like not seeing like a <laughs> yep. single Reggie It's going to happen. It's going to happen. They're going to run those guys until they uh, have an injury. And then it's going to be gonna like, get fire hey, Lawrence. Yeah, yeah, Fire Malone chants are going to be like about about December, <laughs> first week of December. The Nuggets are going to be like a few games over 500 playing those guys. Right, but then it's going to be 12-15 <laughs> and Jokic is going to come around and then right. everything will be fine again. So yeah, yeah. don't stress about the first six weeks of the season, everybody. Calm down. <laughs> exactly. And on that note, we'll take a first break. Okay, we're back, and I have no idea how we're going to do this, but it's just an idea I had. So we are starting the Denver Nuggets fan fiction. And it's not something that nobody has done, you know, uh, ever, because we've, we've had some, some of that from uh, Nick and Jeremy on the, on the dig uh, some time ago. But we'll try to do something different. So, just like in the in the TV show Man in the High Castle, like we want to generate some some alternative pasts that are uh, leading us into the present today. So, this is why I called it the fork in the road. What if the nuggets took a different fork in the road in several different occasions? So, first one, the nightmare scenario. Oh no. It's February 2017. Yusuf Nurkic is very unhappy on the Nuggets. So the Nuggets decide to trade Jokic to make their first rounder happy. So what would be the fallout of that decision would be these 10 guys. So at the point, Jameer Nelson. At the two, Gary Harris. Then Wilson Chandler. Danilo Gallinari. Yusuf Nurkic. And of the bench... Emmanuel Moudier, Jamal Murray, Will Barton, Kenneth Farid, Mason Plumley. So you're making me cry, man. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm actually getting like physically ill. Right <laughs> so let's just try to imagine how would the path look like from from that point. We have to. I mean, at this point, you're. I, I mean, they didn't make the playoffs this year. They wouldn't again. Um, you're running through like, you know, the next season, Jamal Murray takes over as the point guard, uh, cause Moutier can't handle it and Jameer's gone. Um, so you're trying to get, um, Murray and Nurkic to work together and that, I mean, that can work that, you know, it's possible. In this um, scenario, did Jokic go to Portland? Yeah, I guess he did because we, <laughs> we, we got Mason Plumley. Oh 
no. Right. Got Jokic and, and Lillard. And yeah, can you imagine Jokic and Lillard <laughs> together? Like I said, I'm like, I'm like, you're making like, me cry. No, I don't like gonna happen, at all. What's going to happen is, is that Portland is going to just step all over us yeah. because Jokic is going to embarrass Nurkic. Although Nurkic does get up for those fights early in Jokic's career. Like early in his career, like Nurkic looked at least as good as Jokic when they played each other. It's just that then Jokic stepped up four levels and Nurkic just stayed where he was. Because that's been the problem with Nurkic the whole time is he never got better. He's always been the guy that he was. Um, and uh, it would be Murray's team. Absolutely Murray's team. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the, the upcoming draft picks after that, you know, that's where you start wondering who they would have added because they would have missed in the playoffs more than just the game 82 that they missed in the Timberwolves. They would have kept missing. So then you're trying to figure out who the rest of your players are going to be that would eventually help Jamal out. Maybe they get and, OG in that draft. If they if they would just have taken um, OG, if they take OG, mm-hmm. we're okay. Like, like, they, honestly, they, like could OG, have, they could have have OG already, man. I know. Uh, if, but if Jokic, uh, if Jokic is gone, it. yeah, but you're talking about Murray, OG, and uh. Nurkic as the guys you're building around. And that doesn't get you in the playoffs in the West. I'm wondering what a team, what, what, what this team looks like with Murray as the number one. Like, it, I, I wonder what good. kind of player Murray, yeah, I don't like it either, but I like, I'm wondering. Like who's what would be the comp for Murray? Is it like a Bradley Beal kind of scenario? Like, do we get kind of a, a wizard sort of thing where they're kind of a, a borderline playoff team, eight seed, seven seed, where he's taking a ton of shots and scoring thirty? But they would have to not really competitive. I mean, man, they would have to because the the problem is is that no one else on the team, uh, OG, was not a great shooter early in his career, and Nurkic is not a great shooter. Like. You don't have guys that can shoot. It would be Murray trying to do hero ball um, as the point guard. And he's not uh, – early in his career, Murray could not even make passes into the paint against Jokic. No. He wouldn't be making him to Nurkic either. But you're also not going to bring in Paul Millsap. I mean, he was really brought in right. to shore up the defense for Jokic and, and to play off him. I doubt Millsap would even consider – well, the deal he got, I guess, maybe – yeah, I was gonna say for the money, he would definitely <laughs> yeah. consider it. He probably would have considered it, but I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just really have a hard time imagining something like that then happens. So you get this total ripple effect where we could easily be like a bottom tier team right now again, uh, as they as they try to figure out how to build around Murray, or or you get something like a Blazers like trying to figure out how to build around Lillard and this. It's just kind yes. of working. So I, I don't want to depress our audience too much. So yeah, I want to horrible. cut this this part short. I just want to say I don't know what would happen to the Nuggets. I really don't. But I know that probably Damian Lillard wouldn't be asking for a trade this summer. Damian Lillard would yeah. be having a ring. <laughs> yeah. would yeah. They would have point. a ring and his legend would be secure. Uh-huh. So that's where <laughs> we would be at this point, while we were sitting there in the 8th or ninth or 10th playoff spot every year, wondering mm-hmm. why we can't get any better and getting pissed off. Yeah. And, you, awesome. and you guys thought we wouldn't be talking about Damian Lillard. Well, well, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I will say, too, this is not like an out there No, scenario. I mean, there was a real debate happening at the time about who to keep. So, we were... Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not just making stuff up. These yeah. are the real things that were going happen. on. I mean, you you okay. even left off the one where we never draft Jokic. So you know, well, cool. that's pretty much that's pretty much this scenario too, right? If you grab anybody yeah. else, I probably in the prefer round, that. That's this that's this same scenario. So yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I prefer that to them having him and trading him. <laughs> You're right. building building around Juancho then, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> okay, second scenario. The flat earth scenario. <laughs> and what could this be? So, it's July 2017, and the Nuggets trade Jamal Murray and Gary Harris for Kyrie Irving. The fallout, the starting lineup of Kyrie, Will Barton, Wilson Chandler, Danilo Gallinari, Nikola Jokic. Pretty good. And then the bench of, of Emmanuel Moudier, Malik Beasley, Juancho Enan Gomez, Kenneth Farid, and Mason Plumlee. Now, don't forget, we are talking about really, really young Malik Beasley and Juancho Hernan Gomez over here. So, what do we think happens here? Hit it, Nick. How long does Irving uh, stay? Is it over or under a year and a half? It's under a year and a half. Yeah, no. Yeah, Irving is traded within With all the snow. <laughs> any, any, like Wilson, Wilson Chandler, also becomes like. A uh, a black Israelite or whatever, and like leaves the NBA. They like they both start a cult somewhere, uh, like a, <laughs> a uh, Nation of Islam cult or something. I don't know. I don't know what that's connected to, but um, or or he spreads some other uh, conspiracy nonsense around the locker room and takes somebody out with him. It would be weird. Like Beasley, I... actually, Beasley seems like he could be uh he could be converted to some kind of crazy flat conspiracy theory. Yeah. Like I said, the thing with Kyrie, Rhett, man, is, like, he's amazingly talented when he's on the court. Uh, but the Nuggets at this point would have a huge leadership hole because Danilo would be about to leave. And Chandler would be about to leave as well. Oh, Danilo would no definitely to, leave here. Yeah, Danilo, there's no way. He and, he and Jokic didn't work anyway, but he would definitely leave if Kyrie was the guy. So Danilo's gone. Chandler's probably gone. And it's Kyrie, Barton, and Jokic trying to, like, make it work for a year. Um, and if we talked about leadership gaps before in the locker room, I mean, that's why Millsap was brought in, was because of the mm -hmm. leadership gaps that the locker room was having. They're like, we need somebody here who's been something. But Kyrie would be the locker room leader at that point. Like, that's the guy you yeah. look at for your cues. And I just – that's that would be disastrous for Nikola. He would hate it. Like, I – I can't I can't imagine that that they would have had to move Kyrie just because the it, it was working so badly with Jokic. Like it, anybody who can make Jokic hate basketball, that's just not good. Um because Jokic is such a like team guy. He's not about he's like, I don't go to the podium, I don't we don't make noise, I just want to play basketball. And Kyrie is is about his mission off the court and about doing all the stuff that he does. And a lot of that's charity. And a lot of that is saying dumb shit and no microphone. So like it would, I think it would drive Nicola up the wall, honestly. Um, so I think after a year, they would be doing a reset and they'd be trying to get move Kyrie on. Um, hopefully they would trade him for, um, for Shea Gildas Alexander. Like that's what I would want <laughs> is if they can, you know, do the same trade that, uh, that uh, OKC did, like that would be okay with me if they then just moved him over to the Clippers. That would be fine. 
I think you picked another good one here, though, Miroslav, because this was also something we were really kicking around at the time. And, like, this was before we knew kind of how problematic Kyrie was. I mean, there were some, That's right. it's there were some inklings of yeah. things that were problematic, but not yet like the, to the extent of what we know now. So. Yeah, yeah I, I remember that time everybody was so excited of the possibility for the Nuggets to get Kyrie. Everybody was like, wow, yeah. we're going to get the legit superstar next to Nikola Jokic and we're going to win everything. <laughs> and right. And from this perspective, yep. it would be a total shit show probably. No, I, I just – the oil and water for sure. Like I yeah. – there would be divisions in the locker room. I can't imagine that working out. And it's Kyrie – so it would have been this would have been his. Well, no one could make it work in Denver. That's what we would have heard, um, and it probably would have gotten Malone fired at some point. Like that's that's the other scenario that we run into in these situations, right? If Murray is has no Jokic, or if Jokic has no Murray, then the Nuggets have no Malone. At some point, you're going to fire him because he's not getting to the playoffs. Yep. And the if the locker room's dissolving. Then you know the the idea of switching over to Malone for the locker room vibes, you know, only goes so far if there's no locker room vibes and you're not making the playoffs. So you'd lose Malone in both of these scenarios. Yeah, in, and in that case, you can only rely on Nikola Jokic not wanting to move because it's a hassle yes. for him not to leave the Nuggets. Well, and, well, and uh, it's also because there's a he's going to get a full max. So sure. you know he's he's there through the full max. Um, yeah, and back in, yeah, back in yeah. the day, people were not pulling off Damian Lillard, and you know other guys that just sign a super max and then immediately. Right. Yeah, it wasn't happening at the, at the time. Yeah. So he'd be here still, but it would be again miserable. Like as Nuggets fans, we'd be like, "Yep, that's Nug life." We finally <laughs> get a superstar in here, and it doesn't work. Yeah, and they'd be trying to blows it up. Yeah. I mean, I know Jokic would still be here, but it would be a different head coach, and they'd be trying to start mm-hmm. over to build around Jokic eventually. They would be doing that, but it would be after you got rid of the guys you could actually use. So, well, then imagine you get rid of Kyrie. I don't know who would be brought in in this trade, but like then you still draft MPJ, but now we're like really hoping that MPJ can be like the second guy, right, instead of the third guy, and then obviously his health issues and things are all you know continue the nug life cycle downward yep okay it is time for another break and i promise the make it better on the other side <laughs> following <laughs> scenarios should be a bit less dire for the nuggets okay we're back next scenario the pyrrhic victory scenario so i guess it's not that great yet <laughs> so this is the this is the thing April 2018, the Nuggets win the game 82 versus the Timberwolves and get to the playoffs a year earlier. But because of that, they miss on uh, MPJ in the draft. Now, the team back then would have looked like Murray, Harris, Barton, Millsap, Jokic, Monte Morris, Malik Beasley, Tori Craig, Trey Lyles, Mason Plumley and one of the following guys would probably be be uh, Nuggets pick, like Anferni Simons, Dante DiVincenzo, Lonnie Walker, Joshua Kogi. I would bet on Anferni Simons because he is basically Bones Highland. He is basically what what Tim Connolly liked. Right. What do you I think? I would say him. I would say him or Lonnie Walker, probably. Yeah. 
Yeah. So what's the ceiling of that kind of a team? Hmm. Well, the, remember, the what happens after that is if Anthony Simons isn't good enough, you're just you still have the money that you paid MPJ for his extension to go figure that out. So for the first couple of years, like MPJ, you knew you wanted him to work out because he was like he fit a really good need. But what you need is a shooter who's off ball who can rebound and defend. That's what you want. Um, and it took MPJ a while to get there because he had a bunch of back surgeries. But if you don't have those, you know within a couple of years what it is you're looking for, what it is you don't have. And you'll have money to go get it in theory. So I think that actually works out. It's survivable, unlike the other two options, which are really not very survivable. Like if you lose Jamal or you lose Jokic, um, like losing Jamal is survivable on a longer scale, just not immediately with those teams. Losing Jokic is not survivable. Uh, but losing MPJ is a survivable loss because the role that he fills and the shots, the number of shots he's taking, you could split that into two people if you had to. If you had to get a guy who was like a rebounder defender and a guy who was a shooter, you could you could make you could make his role two people. You can't make that, you can't do that with Jamal, and you can't do that with Jokic. I'm wondering if the Nuggets make the playoffs that year. Like let's say they win the first round series or something. Let's say they I don't know who they would have played that year if it would have been that super team. Golden State's probably. Would, okay, so they weren't going to win that, but um, let's say they let's say they make it competitive. Let's say they took it to seven or something like that. I wonder if the Nuggets realize they got to get uh, off the Gary Harris, Will Barton thing quite as quickly, or mm. if they think that this is our Good core, point. we can really like build with this. Right. Um, there might have been some something positive that came out of that loss. I don't know. I remember that time very vividly. Because Matt Moore was always talking about the Nuggets' uh, backcourt of Jamal and Gary of being too small, right? And that he too, that does not see that that it's possible to win a championship with that kind of of backcourt. And he was right. He was right. And and thank you, Gary, for helping us get yeah. <laughs> Aaron Gordon in that amazing trade that looks better every time we, we i mean it's crazy looking at this list now because to think that we we turned gary harris into kcp eventually and will barton into mpj <laughs> like these are significant well and then obviously you know in his prime ag over over Millsap. But i mean Millsap in his prime was you know i don't know what top 20 we, we didn't, we didn't top, get his prime at all by the time yeah no he's he's old and has lost a step at this point so like Maybe yeah, he didn't have that, appreciate the roster we have. that big injury Millsap had in his first season with the Nuggets when he missed like 50 games. Maybe things would be different, but mm. but he, he really wasn't a, you know on top of his game while playing. Well, like Gary Harris could have been a KCP-like player, except he's a little shorter, right? Wasn't he like 6'3"? Six, six, he, like he's that? about 6'3", 6'2", 6'3". Yeah, and then... But, but he's, he's not he, that he short. Shot, but once he couldn't hit threes, now he couldn't, right. you know, he really couldn't fill that that role you like you need that guy to be a knockdown shooter right you yeah he's got to be able to shoot and and it was health and that gary shot wavered but gary was the uh, was the profile that kcp also fit mm -hmm. like that's the thing with the nuggets right is that they 
they did a good job identifying what they didn't have. Mm -hmm. They tried for Jeremy Grant. It was a great idea. But they I they think. didn't they they left him on the bench too long and he got pissed off about it and he went someplace else to go be a star and go make star money. Uh, so then they got Aaron Gordon and they didn't make the bench mistake. So they were like, you you're gonna be the starter, but you're not gonna get the same shots you used to get. Like that's not gonna happen. So you have to fit in here with like 12, 14 shots. You're not gonna be getting 18 shots. Right. And he said, that's fine. And it's been perfect. But those they've had the right archetypes. They they found KCP after they mm -hmm. tried Gary Harris. Like knowing what needs to fit in around um around Jokic and Murray, they've been good at it. It's just hard to find those guys. Like mm -hmm. there's not a lot of guys who can do what AG and Jeremy Grant did. That's why they make twenty plus million dollars a year. There's just not a lot of guys who can do it. Yep. But yeah, that's a credit to, to to the front office and and to Malone that they you can tell now looking back over this, and I hadn't thought about this until just now that we're doing it, but you can see that they, they knew what they needed, like Gordon was just saying. They were trying. Like they were trying to get the, the right the right guy slotted in here, and it just yep. and, and they had varying degrees of success with that. And now that it's now that we have the right guys in those slots, you can see how beautifully this works. And I mean, they just create an absolute well, they, they did get Jeremy Grant for dirt cheap. I mean for mm -hmm. one 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 relatively, relatively late yeah. first round pick mm -hmm. and you yep. know didn't have to 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 send anything else out so it was a risk and it didn't pan out so was, they were close to resigning him and that, that whole thing could have worked out you know it, under if you want to do another multiverse thing here if jeremy grant resigns could the nuggets still win a championship with him instead of he probably i think that's still on the table right that's actually a really, really good idea. I should have included it. But it's it's not on the graphic, so we are not able to <laughs> We're not discussing that today. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, Nicholas. We did, okay. we did in another parallel multiverse stream. So another parallel multiverse, another universe. This one is called the ball doesn't glaze Jamal's fingers scenario. <laughs> now, what I'm talking about here is May 2019, the Nuggets' first playoff run. And the Nuggets win the four uh, overtime game three versus the Blazers. So it was 1-1 at that point. And with that win, Nuggets would go up 2-1. And I don't think the Blazers would be able to come back from that. Because if you remember that game four, Nikola Jokic was the only guy that had enough energy to play that game. After right. playing 65 minutes in that game. So... Yeah, tub of, the, the only reason I want to talk about this detail is because I don't think they would have beaten the, the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals, so they would just go one step further. But in that situation, we could have talked about the Nuggets playing in the, in the Western Conference Finals three times in a row when healthy. And that's a great team. And now we cannot because, you know, they've, they've lost that game, game seven against the Blazers. Is there any other fallout from that kind of uh, situation? I don't think it changes their plan. I, I think it just, it just, I mean, th the fact that they did game seven, game seven, even though they lost the second game seven, reinforced that they were on the right path. So I don't think winning it changes it at all. Um, like the more interesting scenario is what happens if they, in the bubble playoffs, if they actually beat L.A., 
That's um, where my mind was going. Is that would yeah having won the year before would that have given them a little bit more of an advantage in that Lakers series in the bubble? I don't think that probably would have made a difference. We'll me. get to that okay. universe in just yep. a minute, but before that, we need to take a short break. Okay, last segment for today. And the next universe is called The Plumley Brain Fart Doesn't Cost the Nuggets Scenario. Yeah, yeah. So imagine even, even after Plumley forgot to, to close down on, on Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis is like a 25% three-point shooter outside of the bubble. So yep. what if he just missed that shot the three-point game winner in game two of the Western Conference Finals, and the Lakers do not go up to two to zero. And, you know, the Nuggets did win game three after that, so it's really possible that the Nuggets would actually face Miami, right, that year? It was Miami in the finals? Exactly. I mean, do, do we think that if the AD missed that three-point Game winner, the Nuggets would have have two championships by now, or am I just overthinking this? It does seem like that shot just broke their back in that series too, which yeah, even though it was so early, it just yeah, it like I don't know, it almost seemed like they were they were faded after those first two rounds, right? In the way that they came back, and like this team just had there was no way to kill them, and then AD sort of killed them. With that shot, you know, it, like they were the ones hitting that shot in the previous series that were that were the backbreakers, and then right. and then to have that that gut shot just seemed to drain them. So I don't, yeah, it's an interesting interesting way to play this back. I mean, I I I, I mean, I for sure think if they beat the Lakers that year, they're winning it all. So yeah, I mean, I, I think. The question is whether AD would stop shooting. Like, it, for me, AD shooting was so damn, so damn good, that whole playoffs, mm -hmm. that if he, like, it would make that playoff series against the LA uh, Lakers more competitive. I don't know if the Nuggets, if he wouldn't throw another dagger in them later. Like, AD was unstoppable in those playoffs. It's like the only time I have ever said, that guy is who everyone thinks he is mm -hmm. because the rest of the time I'm like, you're, you're talking up a guy that's fine, but he's not what you say he is in those playoffs. AD was amazing. And LeBron was, was a different player in that. Yeah. Yeah. Too. That was three years ago. Yeah. Four oh yeah. Now. Like he was much closer to his peak there. And no, but he was, he also had two months to rest beforehand. So that's uh -huh. why yeah. like it, well, he didn't have 82 and then a playoffs. It he was had, a cheat. It was a cheat code for yeah, a thirty-five-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. It was perfect for the Lakers because their problem is they don't have guys that can go the full season and still be great in the playoffs, and so they didn't well, have to go the full season, and they were great. It imagine if, where they, they are. Yeah, imagine if the Lakers had to come to altitude in twenty twenty. Right. We weren't in the bubble. I mean, right? <laughs> yeah. There's. Yeah, it's hard to say that. I mean, I think the Nuggets were right there. I just don't know that they beat them in a game seven. That. That's my thing. I, I think, think it would be a much tougher ready, series. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't think they were ready. I'm with you. Now the next scenario, I'm I'm definitely in on. So, but this one, yes. no, I don't. I don't think they were ready. 
yeah, let's let's move to the last scenario for today. And it's the brightest timeline scenario. April 2021, Jamal Murray doesn't get hurt. So Champion. I think this is <laughs> I think it's it's interesting. I mean, my question here is are we really celebrating the three pit right now? And I have to to say it it deserves a conversation because one thing that did happen in those two seasons without Jamal is that Jokic's hand was was forced. He just had to become the the extraterrestrial right. scorer. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if that happens if Jamal is healthy all the way. I mean, that doesn't mean that the Nuggets didn't win three championships because, you know, if you just have all of your guys, they will figure it out. But I'm just trying to think of of uh, right now when we do have the championship, if there's a silver lining to all of it and that it was actually one of the greatest stories ever told that you had a, this injured team that needed to wait for two full seasons, full seasons before being able to to grab the championship by its neck and just prove to everybody they're 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 them, <laughs> as it's right. popular to say today. What do you think? Go ahead, Nick. Um, Yeah, I, I think it's likely they get one of the two. I, I you know I think you could they could have still been taken down by the Bucks. Um, for example, yeah. that season that was a really good Bucks team uh, and healthy. Um, and, and you just need a lot to go right, you know, to, to win a championship. And so who, who's to say like you know let's say the season after that MPJ still has his his back injury uh, and issue issues. Again, um, are they going that far without MPJ? Uh, probably not, right? Um, also, Bruce Brown's not here, right? We just, yeah, Bruce Brown was just for one season. So, yep, right. um, so yeah, I, I think he was such an instrumental part of our championship run. It's hard to imagine that I'm doing what they did this year without him. So, yeah, I I think though know, it is interesting though to imagine like we how how much did that set us back? I guess is the heart of your question, right? Like how much did that that you know when Jamal goes down, we just had to hit pause for two years, and then restart it. Yeah, is it likely they get they get one one more in there? Probably, I think it probably is likely. But I'm just saying now too, we are in this window where everybody else is kind of in a period of flux. There aren't really any other settled teams that are like yeah, this is our big team that we're going to have to get by every year or something, right? That doesn't really exist now. Right. So um, that the way the window has lined up has been really nice. So it would have been cool to have gotten like one other one, you know, possibly the last two years. Yeah, I mean, that, obviously that would have been awesome. But um, I kind of like that the, the role is starting now. I don't know, just the timing feels right. Well, the other, the, all the legacy teams got theirs, right? You had the Lakers get theirs in the bubble. Mm-hmm. You had the Warriors get one last one with Steph. Um, and the Bucks got one for Giannis to, to legitimize him as a superstar, you know, and now it's our turn. And, and I, I think if Jamal doesn't get hurt, I do. I agree with you. I think they get one of the two, but I'm not sure then if you then win this year, like I assume that you do, 
like this is a pretty easy run for us just based on how we're built. It wasn't that we didn't play anybody. It's that we didn't play anybody who had any chance of stopping the way that we're built. There was no Giannis. There was no other alien superstar who was able to go ahead and just do stuff. We had no chance to stop. <clears throat> we played mortal teams and we had an immortal on the roster and it worked fine. Um, but for the for the Nuggets, for for defeating Nug Life once and for all, it was nice to do it this way. But I do think that last year would have been the year that I don't think they would have beaten Giannis. Um, and I, but I think the whole next year would have been geared up around Jokic versus Giannis, too. And then when Giannis didn't make it to that, um, I, the the Warriors were thanking God and everyone that they had ever met that they only had to play Jokic in those playoffs. Like, Jokic by himself made them sweat. They had nothing left. You could see that Draymond Green was like, I'm out of options. I have stopped learning how to defend him. And I really think that that series against Golden State is what kicked Jokic into being undefendable in these playoffs. Because after he saw everything that, that Golden State threw at him to try to stop him as the only option that Denver had, he's like, okay, I've seen everything. And so no other team this year could give him anything that he hadn't already seen uh, from a from the greatest defensive uh, coordinator in the league, uh, Ron Adams. Uh, so he's like, I've got it. Like, this is it. So that proved to him it was enough but i don't think i don't think golden state would have stopped the nuggets if jamal was there to put in the extra buckets if they had jamal and not like guys on 10-day contracts like yeah i i don't i don't think that's that's a that's a problem for him um so i think they would get one um and we'd be talking at least about back-to-back champs but uh i really i i do think there's something to your notion there miroslav that it it really did teach Nicola how to take over a game when required, how to go and put it all out there. And not just, well, this is enough. But Jokic was like, actually, I will do everything. It's fine. Yeah, and something else I think this team had to have learned from that, and I think you saw that in this championship run uh, on several occasions, was the idea that like you can't take this stuff for granted. Like, Yeah. yeah we've got a great team, but, but like – like I think moving forward, even going into like next season and beyond, I, I'm not worried about them getting complacent. Right. So I, I feel like they understand like you're one bad knee injury away, you're one fall away from you know losing two or three seasons of competitive of competitive play. So uh, if Jokic, I mean, you know, everybody knows if Jokic goes down, they have no shot at the championship. Right. <laughs> the yep. entire team is built around him. So uh, you know, he's got to stay healthy. For example, so. I, hopefully that that lesson really got ingrained into them as like a permanent like feature of their characters now that they understand to take like to seize every opportunity and to not get complacent. And to go back I, on that, I, I agree with that. The the thing with Jamal, these playoffs are his first playoffs where he wasn't great or okay. Mm-hmm. Like Jamal was, you know, he would uh, remember against the Spurs. Uh, in their in their very first that playoff run where where they lost to um, the uh, Trailblazers eventually, he was non-existent for the first two and a half games. He was a non-factor. He was he was nobody. And then he was like, "Hang on, I'm going to shoot to keep us in this series." And then he became good. And then against Portland, he was good or okay. Um, this playoffs that we just had, he left it all out there. He was there every play on defense. He was there every play on offense. He was a passing demon. He's never been that good at passing in his whole life. 
But in the playoffs, he was like, let's do 10 assists every game. It's fine. I've got this. I know what I'm doing. With every play, he was active. He was engaged. He was on fire. And I don't know that he does that without, like you said, that year of rehab. I may never play again to I'm in the finals. I'm not saving energy for tomorrow. Today's enough. There's a there's a scene in um, uh, one of my favorite movies called Gattaca, where this guy who's a normal person. Right, the second you said is, that, I thought of Gattaca. I knew exactly where you're going with this. Is yeah. is swimming out with his brother, who's an enhanced person, and his brother's like, I, "I, you can't be beating me. You're a normal person, and I'm not a normal person, and you're out swimming. Why is this happening?" And as he tows his enhanced brother back to port, he's like, "Cause I saved nothing for the way back," and that was to me was Jamal. Jamal saved nothing. He still had it in the tank. He didn't empty the tank, but he wasn't keeping reserves being like, maybe I'll need this tomorrow. He gave everything and, and the nuggets rolled. And I don't know if he does that without that injury. And I agree with you there, Nicholas. Uh, I, I like the, the NBA epics, you know, throughout the, the decades. People usually compare Nikola Jokic to Tim Duncan or Larry Bird sure, or uh, Will Chamberlain. Uh, those are nice comparisons. <laughs> they are. I mean, those are such different players. It's so silly. I know. Just like Larry Bird and just like Tim. <laughs> but, <laughs> listen, it's it's getting worse. So I'm an <laughs> asshole. So I like to compare Nicola to Michael Jordan. <laughs> and the reason I want to do that is because I'm not fine with Nicola's ceiling being like a top 10 player of all time. I want to have the highest possible you know, ceiling potential for him. And Michael Jordan was an amazing player from the year he was drafted in 1984 mm -hmm. up to the 1991 when he won his first championship. But he needed to wait for the Lakers to age out, for the Celtics to age out, for Isaiah Thomas to completely destroy his, you know, hand-wrist trying to, to practice three-point shots. He needed to wait for all of those mini dynasties and and then of course get mm -hmm. Scottie Pippen and who would become the greatest role player of all time probably so i what i want to say is it feels right this way so the nuggets needed to overcome these incredible obstacles in order to get the first one and now that that's out of the way there shouldn't be that that hard for I, them to continue. I think there is a path for Jokic to be considered the greatest player of all time, actually. This sounds crazy, but you just got me thinking. What could be something that distinguishes him from Michael Jordan? Four in a row. So <laughs> if they win three more in a row, and he is finals MVP in all of them, I think you could argue four in a row with four finals MVPs might top six with a two-year break in between. Or it's at least, you could at least argue that it's like on par. Comparable. With yeah. that, yeah. I, for but me, I think you have to go on a run. Like, I think you have to be in a row. Because like, then you start yeah. talking about D Duncan and Shaq both have, what, five, I think? Or yeah. Shaq have six? Yep, five. They both have yeah, five. so, you know, if you start splitting sure. up. Shaq has, years, Shaq has Four, five. I thought. Do you have five? Oh, yeah, four. You're right. Four. Four. Kobe, Kobe has five. Shaq has four. Yeah. And and Tim Duncan also has five. But Tim never back-to-back. -back. Right. 
and Kobe was only the uh, the number one guy when he was playing with Pau. And talk about the most underrated player of all time, Pau Gasol. Yep. Yeah. Oh, one of yeah. But yeah, so if Jokic gets, you know, four, three, four, let's say, and they're kind of split up and stuff, I don't think he can, you know, he's still just in the conversation with Shaq and Duncan, probably for greatest big man ever. Uh, and some of the other older guys, you know, Russell, whatever. Um, but if he, yeah, if he could do a stretch in a row, then I think, you know, you start to have an argument, maybe. Well, because they just have to have the argument of what happens if Jamal wasn't hurt, that we would be talking about six. Mm-hmm. That's where people talked with with Michael Jordan. You know, well, he took two years off. You know, so he had six, but he took two years off. I'm like, well, Jokic took two years off because Jamal wasn't here. That's a good point. So, yeah. you know, if now, he has four now in a row, we're cooking with gas. <laughs> you know, now you're like, okay, so these four could have been five, could have been six, yeah. if you look back at those teams. So, yeah, I, I see it. Okay, so no pressure, Nicola. No pressure. We no just pressure. three more in a row. Well, the funny part about Nicola is he doesn't want to be the best player, basketball player in the world. He just is. He doesn't try every day to be the greatest that ever lived. He just is like the greatest big man. Maybe that era. starts to motivate him though. At some point, I don't know. Like you know, once you know, I'm sure that getting that first championship was on everybody's. That that was number one on everyone's motivation list, right? Right. After you get that first one, now what is it? Now it's creating dynasty, right? Now you start thinking about legacy. Or about you know, let's get the second one. Let's get the third one. Not. Oh, it's a matter of. I remember when the when the Broncos, when the Denver Broncos and John Elway finally won his first, and that was all exciting. And for the second one, the team was like, it was the hardest thing we have ever done is to go back out and do it again, because we already knew what it was like to win, but now you got to put in all the work to just get back to where you were. So repeating, there's a reason repeating is really freaking hard. Mm-hmm. So if the Nuggets do it. I don't want I I don't like in the same way that I'm not interested in hearing anybody tell me like that the Nuggets had an easy path in the playoffs. I'm not interested in having hearing anybody tell me the Nuggets had an easy repeat. There's no such thing as an easy repeat. The Bucks proved that. You know, like it's it's not an easy thing to do. So no, two in a row makes you one of the all time great teams. I, yeah, I absolutely. Like there's absolutely. A, it's a pretty small list of teams that have done that. Okay. I think that's that's enough for for August 26th edition of <laughs> Serbian Corner. Thank you to everybody who stuck with us to the end of this episode. And since Bruce Brown had that emotional farewell to Denver a couple of days ago, I wanted to reply to him. Uh, my brother is in town this week, so we used that opportunity to dust off our old guitars and remember a song we played in a high school's band some 25 years ago. It is a YouTube exclusive. In case you're listening to this on your podcast machine, just go to YouTube to see it. So, Brucey Bree, I still got the blues for you. Idemo nagetsi. <laughs>